I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Computer Game Week on SB Nation. There's a lot going on, so we're not going to stick to computer games. But we've been talking up the 2K after I just took a whooping online. I'm sure you're going to be able to see the Twitch highlights of me getting killed. I'm joined by Tim, and we've got a friend of the podcast, a guy we've podcasted with for years, Mr. Wayne Patrick Brown, or better known as Wayne Breezy. What's going on, Wayne? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing, man? I'm living good, man. I'm living good. Staying, staying good. indoors as much as possible, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's, it's funny because, like, you know, with the whole COVID thing, and, and it kind of started to die down a little bit, and then this all the social reform stuff picked up. And as soon as the social reforms and, and, the, and the rioting and the peaceful protests and stuff kind of started to wither away like, like it never happened, here comes COVID again in the NFL, right? And, and it's like, oh, snap. Like, now NFL players are getting it, and it's prominent now. Like So, like, you know, you got Kyrie Irving and all the guys talking about, hey, man, like, I, yo, we shouldn't even be doing basketball right now due to all the stuff that's going on. He's mainly talking about the, you know, the the social injustices that are going on. But their meetings were about COVID and that. And um, it's a lot for us to talk about because July 31st, man, if I don't see something, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. It's, uh, it's tough, right? I mean, an article came out about 15 minutes ago um, from ESPN with Malika Andrews, I think was the person that wrote the article. Where they're talking about how Avery Bradley has been with Kyrie Irving talking, discussing with the MBPA and saying to the league that they want to see what the sponsors and the league and the venues are all going to do for these social injustices to give them to continue giving a platform for these protests to a bigger, bigger medium would probably be the better way of saying that. I think that's still something that's going to need a lot of discussion going down the line because the platform's big enough to be able to kind of push that topic of conversation in a really positive direction, but they need to figure out how best to do that while still playing basketball at the same time. And I think that's where Kyrie's biggest concern is, right? That basketball shouldn't take away from the progress that's actually being made right now, that the eyes across the entire world that are on this whole injustice going on and what can actually be done by protesting and being peaceful and keeping the media attention there. So any way that basketball can take away eyes from this really important topic, I feel like that's where Kyrie's coming from, saying maybe now's not the right right time. And it's tough, right? I'm in the same boat as Wayne, where I don't want to miss a moment of basketball. And as soon as I heard that basketball was supposed to come back, I was excited. And it's, at this point in time, I think it's, I think the best thing that we can do, especially as, you know, NBA fans and as Celtics fans, is to just, let the players do what they want to do, you know, listen to what they have to say. And, it, and it's really difficult because, you know, as we were talking about, it's so difficult to not have, not to put it like as a distraction, but like to have these luxuries. Like it's, it's hard to just think that the NBA is a luxury. Having that kind of thing around to take your mind off with everything that's going on with COVID, it's a luxury. And for these athletes, I think the NBA, I think it's about 80% African-American or black. So, that being said, you have to consider where they're coming from. You know, you're asking them to go ahead and play this sport, not only in a bubble away from their families, but, you know, potentially putting themselves at risk for COVID, 
all while this social justice, social injustice is going on and everything with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like we have to be conscious of that as fans. And it's really difficult to put that to the side, but at the end of the day, that's what has to be made. And I think it's important, especially everything that Avery Bradley and Kari Irving and that Players Coalition are doing. I, I think having programs that that promote racial equality in organizations that are black owned, that is huge. Having that be like a permanent mainstay of the NBA program and just have it right there. And I, it might, it still might not be enough to satisfy the players, but the NBA has to make an effort to go above and beyond trying to promote this awareness. Because other than that, you know, you're looking at a potential labor dispute, and I don't think anyone's going to win from that. Yeah, man, that, that both of you guys are spot on, man. I mean, even coming from what you were saying about Kyrie's perspective, I totally get it. Like, I, you know, I tweeted like, like people hate Kyrie, but like he's not really talking out of his behind this time. Like he's saying, this is the moment is now, and the 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 world's attention has been grasped by what happened, by all the the, the social injustices that have been happening. Of course, they've been happening for years, but the world is finally attentive to what's going on. Like they, everybody has empathy right now. Everybody, this like so to in, to infuse. Um, something to take away, like you said, bro, from that attention is where Kyrie's, I think his mindset is coming from. But like you said, T, like I, like you got to leave it up to the players, man. And we don't want, we don't want the players to, to, to feel like it, it could turn into terms to where players may feel different about the NBA. If the NBA is not backing them then it's going to be a problem. It's going to lead to the things that you just said about players holding out or doing whatever, especially since it's predominantly, you know, African-American or whatnot. Um, but I think that basketball is going to happen. I say let the players that want to play play. You put them in a bubble. And for those that, you know, that's the one thing I love about our country. Like we do, we all have this free reign to do the things that we want legally, right? So let the players that want to play go ahead and play. If we don't get all five all-stars from the Sussex out there on the floor and the young guys want to come on ball out, I don't care. I just want whoever wants to play to give us something. And I think this whole new format, which is something we could segue into, is what's going to be like, you know, eye-popping like I felt like I'm back in college watching the tournament you know what I'm saying like I think I missed the tournament so this is perfect no we all missed the tournament now that I think about it, there was no tournament this will be perfect for 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 sports this will be perfect for the NBA and this will be the, it's like the NBA they start not saying that they started this the COVID kind of started in the NBA like we, we kind of got the outbreak in the NBA and they're kind of trying to be the first to be the precedent to show hey we'll take the you know we'll be the guinea pigs and try to see if we can get sports back into some type of action and you guys can learn from what our mistakes and I think that's what the NBA is trying to do I think it's also worth noting before Adam gets going the WNBA is also coming back and I will definitely be paying attention to that as well that's awesome man awesome yeah, I, I'm a big fan and a big proponent of the WNBA and basketball in general. In terms of players being allowed to play, being allowed to decide not to play, it's quite simple. If you if you feel like the the way the league is going to handle this situation in terms of COVID, in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, the social injustices, if the way they're handling it doesn't sit with your personal values, they're giving you free reign to say, 
no thank you, I'd rather not play this season. The only downside is you don't pick up a paycheck. I can understand for some of the younger guys coming into the league that they are relying on that paycheck. They've got foundations and funds that they've set up for people. They've got financial commitments. Everybody lives to the income that they, they earn. You know, if you earn $100,000, your outgoings are probably going to be about $60,000 a year if you're smart with your money. So I can understand that a lot of players feel kind of pressured into returning, but there is the option then not to play. There has been some info put out, by the way. I don't know if you saw it. I don't mean to cut you off, but with the Shams stuff, um, Shams put out a tweet about 20 minutes ago. Players have been notified that any player who chooses not to play in the resumed 2019-2020 season must notify his team by June 24th. Compensation will be reduced by 1 over 92.6 for each game missed. And then on top of that, any players who exercises this right will not be disciplined, so there's no punishment for staying out. And on top of that, it's two categories of non-participation. Uh, NBA, player, NBA players who will not have their salary reduced, protected players and excused players, who are believed to be at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19, um, June 25th deadline for excused absences. And then on top of that, players who have been informed that anyone who leaves Orlando campus without prior approval will be subject to 10 to 14 days self-quarantine, reduction in compensation for the games missed, as well as enhanced testing for COVID. I just wanted to drop that before you continue. Sorry. You see, and this is the big thing for me, like a lot of the discontent around the way that the COVID situation is being handled in Disney World is the fact that Disney World employees are not subject to the same bubble that the NBA players are. Mm. And you saw NBA players tweeting this. You saw some big members of the media also jump on and say, well, that's not a bubble. A bubble is everybody who goes in does not leave, regardless of whether you're staff for the team or staff for the complex where the, the games are being held. That caused a lot of discontent because, I mean, me too, if, even if there's a lack of interaction between the players and the staff, that doesn't mean the staff aren't going to be interacting with coaches or with the staff could interact with the water boy, the water boy interacts with the team. We've seen that the reproduction rate of this virus is wild. It spreads as quick as wildfire. One person only, you only need one person to have it before an entire locker room can catch it. So the lack of that bubble or the ineptitude of that bubble, where it's only a bubble if you play in the NBA, but if you work for Disney World, then you can come and go as you please. I know that that for me, if I was an NBA player, I'd be like, well, I don't feel comfortable going into that situation when we don't know what, the Disney World employees testing is going to be like how often how frequent are they going to be tested what monitoring systems are put in place for the employees that we will come into contact with and that was also the other side of the coin with this entire discussion obviously the social injustice movement takes precedent because that's what's most important at the moment you know that's what's most prevalent but you need to take health into account as well you don't want to go into this bubble with no virus and then leave it with the virus like, what what good's that? That doesn't help anybody. It's 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 not the easiest decision to make. For us as fans, we're like, yo, play basketball because the world is reopening, right? Like that's what we're saying. But man, I the bubble situation <laughs> I just real I just forgot I you know, I didn't forget about it, but I didn't realize that it was only subjected to the, the players and the coaches and or staff or whatnot of the team. I didn't realize that everyone involved 
wasn't going to be a part or subjected to being inside that bubble because that would be crazy. Like they're talking about having players leave their families for what three months or so whatnot and just be put into you know the Epcot Center or whatnot, right? For a long time and that's tough, man. Like especially for the veteran players that want to go home. That's why I said, man, this might be a dope. This might have been a dope way to, to like introduce like. Maybe the veteran players, maybe maybe not have the uh, maybe not have an NBA Finals here, say, but have a tournament or whatnot. Change the format of something and get all the young players, you know, the the the, the not just starting five or whatnot, but just the young guys, the guys that aren't, you know, that could come in and that just want a ball, that are, you know, that need those paychecks, that are can leave their families and they don't have families or, or you know to go away or whatnot and play some basketball, and it would be cool to see. It's like having a a, a a a G League that made it to the NBA play <laughs> like during this time like and that would be kind of cool like I kind of want to see what some of our young guys could do like Grant Williams and those guys against other young guys you know how how they would fare out and this would tell us you know this would be this will allow us to have data for which future teams are going to be ballers like you know what I'm saying and we could see which guys might be stars but. It is what it is. It's been set, man. You just read that that wonderful tweet, man, and you know I just can't wait to see what happens. And I'm 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 hoping that things keep turning for the better. Um, I'm hoping that the virus somehow starts to kind of like, you know, settle down. The only way it's going to do that is if we all just chill, but that ain't gonna happen. Um, and you know, as far as the social reform that's going on, shout out to Jalen Brown. He's doing a tremendous job. Um, we saw him travel down to where did he go to South Carolina or Atlanta? He went to Atlanta. It was a 15 hour drive uh, to his hometown of Atlanta. He drove down to Atlanta, man. Like, and it was in the movement was in the, uh, the, the, the protest and they did it peacefully. I believe Marcus Smart is doing things. Um, it, it's just amazing to see what's going on here. And, uh, in the world coming together, man, that, that's, that's the one thing I love about the Celtics. Yeah, I, especially with the leadership aspect. And I think I think everything that Kyrie Irving, like the concerns he's raising are completely 100% fair. And I feel like in a lot of ways it's hard for me, of course, as a Celtics fan to be like, ah, Kyrie has a point. And his points are fair. I think if – I think from a media standpoint, if it was a different athlete, if it was Jalen Brown coming out and saying these things, it would be received entirely differently. And I think it's also different from their perspective of Kyrie Irving just signed like this massive max contract extension. So like he doesn't have to worry about any money at all. And he's also not going to be playing whether the season resumes or not. So, but the thing is, is also he's taking a lot of that heat, you know, he's taking the heat off of guys who would otherwise be going under like really harsh criticism. You know, he would be if it weren't for him, I feel like a lot of other players would probably not feel safe sharing that, you know, opinion and sharing that voice. So I will give Kyrie credit for that. You know, he's doing his job as a VP um, of the MBPA and taking that heat and making a platform for other people to raise those points. Uh, in terms of like the Disney workers isolating, I know that they've talked about it since like that got raised up as a big point. I know that Disney has like talked about potentially workers volunteering to go in a bubble. Personally for me, like I volunteer as tribute. If Disney needs anybody, I'll isolate myself for, for like five months. Do it. I'll do it. Um, but you know, 
outside of that, I think a lot of the stuff Kyrie was also worried about was creature comforts, you know, what kind of food's going to be provided, what kind of goods are going to be there for players, that kind of thing. I, I think a big thing with the two, as you were talking about, Wayne, with family, you know, how, how much family can be there. Because, you know, the more people there, the more risk there is. This is a whole idea of them having, you know, a limited amount of teams going in there. But I think if family members want to go there, if it's a shortened amount of time, you know, maybe it's they self-quarantine or, you know, maybe they go down there and they stay there. And then if they leave, like they quarantine, self-quarantine 10 to 14 days and like that's it and they don't come back. So maybe giving players this kind of option because at this point now, you're asking the players to not only deal with everything that's going on with these social injustices and trying to promote awareness and promote that fight against racism, against racial inequality, but you're also asking them to go ahead and leave their families for months. Like you have to find the best way to make them comfortable, to make them safe, and also trying to satisfy all these other needs. You know, I guess my thing is, is like, where, where's the most unhappiness lie in this situation? Is it because the timing of it, because of all the social injustices that's going on right now in that movement? Is it because of, I don't know how I feel about this bubble. Is it going to be unsafe? Is it putting myself and my loved ones at risk? I'm risking injury. Like, how are you going to insure me if I get hurt? Or is it like a mix of between the two? Because I think, I think there are ways to bridge that gap with the players. I think the NBA just needs to be able to do more in order to try and not only salvage this season, but to avoid a potential CBA lockout and having that kind of situation. At the end of the day, it comes down to what the players want. And I think that the NBA, to kind of put it bluntly, needs to bend the knee and figure out the best way to make these players happy and safe and also still providing that platform. Because right now with no other sports going on, like, the NBA coming back, that is one of the biggest stages that you can do it at. I'm, I know the WNBA is going to do a lot too, but the NBA has a really big chance there too. And I think you just can't squander it right now. Like this is an opportunity and it really just comes down to what the players feel comfortable doing. And if they think it's a distraction, it's a distraction. But the NBA has got to try and meet them halfway here. I mean, you say Kyrie is worried about what type of food. I mean, this is just the first bit that I kind of singled into. I'd be worried about what kind of foods on offer because you're a professional athlete. You need to make sure that your nutritional needs are being met so you can perform at optimal levels. He's vegan too, so that's yeah. another thing. Do you know what I'm saying? And then you're going into a Disney World complex where it's it's corn dogs and it's burgers and fries and it's pizza. And so are team chefs coming into this bubble too? Are the a Disney world going to cater towards these players nutritional needs because they don't eat nutritional food. They don't perform at an optimum level. And then the quality of the product on the court doesn't reflect what we're used to seeing. So that's, I mean, people passed that off as like, it was a very blase question to ask when in reality, one, he's vegan. So that's fair enough. And two, there's a whole nutritional science behind performing at, at your optimal level. So that was, in my opinion, that was a very, genuine question to ask then we look at players families again we from the last thing i read about that was families could join the nba team nba players once the playoffs began but then you're talking about players with kids so let's gordon hayward robin comes with the free kids you're going to tell those kids hey we're staying at disneyland or disney world sorry in england we call all of them disneyland because it's a land of disney but you're staying at Disney World. But guess what? You can't go into the Disney World Park. You can't go and see Snow White and have breakfast with the princesses because you're in a bubble. 
that's like taking the plug off a TV and saying to your child, you can look at the television, but you can't turn it on. So I can see that side of things as well. How do you take your family into the most magical place on earth, but not let them experience that magic? It's mentally tough more than physically tough. And this whole lockdown for everybody, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a regular Joe, a nine to five worker, whatever it may be, this whole coronavirus thing has been a mental drain on everybody. Absolutely. So I can see why people are kind of against going into a bubble and going through more mental strain as well as then putting your body through the physical strain that comes with playing professional ball. And I want to see ball really bad, so I hope they're willing to do it, but I'm not with this, you get paid millions of dollars so you go and bounce a basketball. I'm not with that train of thought. That's a terrible, toxic train of thought. And it's just... To ask players to do that, to like, it, it's a dead mindset, and it's not one that is for this day and age. And if you look back in basketball history, and just look back in sports history, how many massive civil rights activists come through sports? Sports is so crucial for that. And that's like the one argument I do have for sports coming back. I look at how many times we've seen athletes on the biggest stage sacrifice everything for civil rights activism. Whatever way they decide is best, it's fine by me. Whatever whatever method they decide is best. Of course, I miss basketball. And along the same lines of Adam, you know, I, right now the mental drain on not being able to watch sports is crushing me. But at the same time, you're asking a lot of people to go ahead and just isolate themselves for that long without seeing family and to go through that physical toll of playing playoffs after not playing basketball for like four months. That's a lot. You have to be for the lack of a better word, considerate, compassionate, I think is a better word for it. It wasn't a lack of a better players. word. There was a better word. <laughs> compassionate? Yeah, compassionate. Yeah. For a lack of a better Has word. compassion, sympathy. Compassionate's empathy. a better way of saying it. Yes. Well, like, to segue back into something a little bit more lighthearted, we got Wayne on the show. Wayne brings tons of energy whenever he'd be up here. Wayne, what are you expecting if basketball does resume? Where are you seeing the Celtics go, baby? And like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not a homer, guys, but you know what? I I just feel like the Celtics' chances, being that they're young, see, that, that's another thing, being that they have a young set of mind, I think they'll be able to bounce back, gel together quickly, and perform well. Now, I know we started seeing guys struggle, but man, do you remember, like, we we were injury plagued. It was like Corona, yo. Like the injury bug was was killing us for a minute. We couldn't. We didn't have all five starters on the floor like at once <laughs> this all all season. I think you're gonna get a full fledged dose of what the Celtics starting five will be, plus that you know a, a regenerative bench. Like we're gonna have a couple of guys that could come off the bench and get us points and. Did I am I reading stuff wrong because I thought something got tweeted out maybe last week about you know teams can sign a, a player or, or whatnot? I'm reading that right. Okay, I'll let you talk about it. But if we could grab a scorer, that's it. I don't care. I don't want a big guy. I don't got. Uh-uh. Just give me a guy that could come off the bench and just score points. I don't care if he lays it up, gets to the free throw line, shoots threes, uh, do cartwheels and flips, as long as he can provide some type of fluidity and offense for guys when they get tired. You know, basketball has to be the most draining sport other than um, uh, uh, football, like the soccer. 
Uh, like right, because you just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Baseball, you pause. Football, you you're only on offense or defense, right? Basketball, you gotta play both. It's a two way sport, just like soccer, right? So I I used to be mad. Why can't these guys hit these shots anymore? Their legs are tired. How do I know? I went out and played basketball the other day, and I was good for the first three minutes. And then after that, I was like, guys, I need I need to come back to the next game. Like it's really now, and they train right to do this. So I get it now. Plus, you got that factor in the injury. So, man, if, if you could enlighten me, enlighten me on, you know, teams being able to, to sign a, a player or whatnot for I don't know how they worked out the money or whatnot because I saw Jamal Crawford on the list. I saw some guys that could get us some buckets. I and I really like our chances with Jason Tatum, who to me is, is, a, is a top five player in the NBA. I'm saying that. You can say what y'all want about me. They could talk about me. They cut me off this podcast. He's a top five player in the NBA trying to become a top three and soon will be number one. That boy, I, I'm so glad he's going to – and he's getting the max. We can talk about that too. But y'all got the floor, man. I'm excited. So I, I, <laughs> just, I just need some Celtics. You know what I'm saying? I need, I need something. So as of right now, there hasn't been any confirmation that teams are going to be able to carry extra guys into the Disney World with them. It's definitely something that's been discussed. There's been multiple updates from Shams. There's been some articles released uh, by ESPN, but no firm decision has been made at the moment, which means there's no kind of rule book on how the cap would work in picking these guys up. What has been said, if it is confirmed, and it may have been confirmed and I missed it, but as far as I'm aware, it's still in the in the works. If it is confirmed, the only players that were not with a team when the COVID lockdown hit would be eligible to be picked up as free agents. So they had to be free agents when the league ended to be able to be picked up. So Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, those guys that are around, they're available. Guys on 10 days that were on a 10-day contract with a team, that hasn't been decided yet. So you, I think there was like 10 guys that was available. One of them, his name eludes me right now, but he went to Golden State. Who was that team? Who went to Golden State just before the lockdown on a 10-day? I know, I know. Was I know. it, it, wasn't was it Bender? Yeah, Dragon Bender. That's yeah! so People like him, the league hasn't decided whether he'll return to Golden State or whether he'll be an eligible free agent or whether he'll have to sit. Players on teams that are not participating in this 22-team bubble are not eligible to be picked up by another team for the playoffs. But you can go and get a Jamal Crawford. You can go and get an Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Boogie's out there too, I believe. Like you can go pick up Boogie. Boogie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and this is when you can get him dirt cheap too. Like so, it's, it's it's almost even. It's almost equal, right? Because it's like who's the best team in out of these twenty two? How how does this format work, guys? Everybody plays eight games, and then the tournament starts. Correct? Like it's a it's an eight game warm up. That's how I look at it. And then you get then the seeding is from how the the season ended, right? Yeah, and winning percentages too. So yeah. it's like whoever is the highest winning percentage gets in seeding. So we're still jockeying between second and third with Toronto. We we really need Toronto to like stink it up. But then if you've got the only difference is with the way this is working, the one nuance that the NBA threw in there just to add a little bit more flavor was if you're in the eighth seed and then the team in the ninth seed is four or less games behind you then you go to a playing tournament. Oh. If you, the eighth seed team only needs to win the tournament to win it one game, whereas the ninth seed team, if they beat the eighth seed twice, so back-to-back basically, they steal the eighth seed away and they go into the playoffs, which adds a little bit of flavor. It kind of adds a little bit more fairness as well. Hopefully, we can see 
Memphis kind of slide. I mean, I don't, I, and then obviously if they can slide out of the playoffs, then boom, all of a sudden now there's a better draft pick for Boston. Once the, the NBA draft comes around. Totally forgot about the draft. Totally <laughs> about that. So it, it, there's a lot. I like that nuance. I like the way it's kind of like, oh, we've caught up. Oh, we, we finished three games behind the eight seed. No, it's all good now. We get to go to this playing tournament. We just need to beat them twice. I'm excited. I'm hoping that happens. I'm hoping two teams finish close enough so we get to see this playing tournament. Uh, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll get Wayne all fired up. And we're back. So, Wayne's gave us his take on what he's expecting to see so far in the league once it resumes. We've kind of discussed if the teams can add an extra two players. We've learned about the playing tournament. Wayne, I'm curious what your take is on Romeo. Ah, this so this is a kid I like. I like it. I like his size. He handles the ball well. Uh, he gets to the basket. He did come in with the injury, um, but we've seen more of him. You know, I'm not gonna say we saw more of him than Grant Williams, but we we've seen more of him than what I thought we would see from him. Right, and I I expected um, Carson. Yes, I just didn't want to call him Carson Wentz, but yes, Carson. Like I I thought he would be I thought he would come in and just be a a surefire scorer, right? Just shoot the ball. We watched him in in the, in the preseason. He was just on fire. Like I mean, and he was shooting like NBA two K three quarter shot three point shots like with ease i'm like okay he's gonna get to the nba and he only has to focus on two things defense and just shoot and he just didn't translate as quickly as i thought that he would like he didn't progress as quickly but when romeo came in i know he plays a different role you know that two that three position like or or one I, and he's a if you put him at the one he's kind of like he's kind of big like he's big for a support for it to be a one and he sees the court well like I'm, oh, I'm, I could be going crazy, but I know he has pretty dang good court vision, and he gets players involved, and he gets baskets when he needs to get baskets. I know we're only talking about Romeo, but there is a guy I would like to see more of, and that's a guy from Connecticut. And if you know who I'm talking about, go ahead and say his name. But this kid came in, you know, tore, he was tearing the G League up, right? You uh, talking about Tremont Waters? About Waters. There we go, tearing the G League up, right? And and comes in and plays rather decent in in, in in the NBA. And I think that going forward, you're gonna you're gonna see some Waters, you're gonna see some Langford, and you're gonna get Went, you're gonna get Carson in there. I promise. Um, and they're gonna be part of the future of the of the Celtics going forward. Like I can see Carson turning into a, a, a like a Marcus Smart, just being a pest on on ball defense. Right? He might suck at first but I could just see him being a pest and then until he starts getting the confidence to shoot that shot because uh, ain't Marcus Smart like number two in, in three point percentage in the NBA or something like that I, I can have my numbers wrong but he's pretty damn good at shooting a three and I know we hated him shooting threes for like four seasons straight <laughs> like we just like don't shoot it now when he shoots it we're just like uh, if it goes in cool and, and, and if it doesn't, it's okay. It's just working smart. But now when he shoots, we're just like, oh, snap. And don't get him hot. I, I see the Celtics just really building. Um, I talk about this on my football podcast. But I see the Celtics having clones. Like, like they're getting players that when this player leaves, this player's going to come in and do something 
almost identical, but with their own, you know, spaz or whatnot. So I like Langford. Tremont Waters should be running point. You know, if our point guards aren't playing, like you know, Kimba and 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 Smart, this guy should be coming in uh, with that second because he's not looking to score. He's looking to get the players involved. He's the playmaker guy, but he can't score. He can shoot. Um, then maybe we don't need those bench guys. You know, I mean, we don't need those 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 free agents that could come in. And it just all comes down to those guys playing, man. Like, they just need minutes. They need reps. They need that type of stuff. Because I'm telling you, Carson, when he gets fired up, he doesn't miss. And I think in the in, in the preseason or in the G League or, or preseason, excuse me, when he was playing, like, he had the ball all the time. So he just was able to shoot, and he just was fired up. So I would like to see that. I would like to see Taco. I mean, I know we're talking about all the players. I just want to see these young guys. This is dead. <laughs> I'm okay if the vets don't want to play because I like the Celtics' young core. Like, I just want to see them ball out. It'll be like a souped-up G League, but all the teams have to do the same thing. I would be mad. I, I would be mad. I think the thing with Carson is, for him, I think he's really undersized for a guard to begin with, and he doesn't have, like, natural point guard skills. And so at that point, he just becomes, like, an undersized shooting guard. So – his big deal is if he's not hitting shots, he's not making as much of an impact on the floor as he could be. Uh, like Tremont Waters plays that energetic defense. Like you were saying, he is like a playmaker, especially in the limited minutes we've seen, which is why I agree. I definitely want to see more Tremont Waters. He's a guy that I think could be a very important bench piece for you guys. So that being said, with Tremont Waters versus Carson Edwards, I think Tremont Waters has a better chance of making an impact right now until Carson Edwards starts to develop a little bit more floor vision, gets a little bit better with his passing. Cause I think that's the aspect that Carson Edwards need to work on. Cause if you can't shoot, you can't score a bucket and you're an undersized guard, you need to be at least able to dish that ball around. You need to be able to run the floor as a point guard, as opposed to just a combo guard, because he's, if you're running him at the two, because he's not capable of running at the one, then you need him to be hitting shots. And if you're not hitting shots, then you need to be able to move the ball around and just do the other little things you need to do to carry the team, you know? It's just my opinion on those guys. But that being said, it'd be cool to see those guys get a little bit more involved. It'll be interesting to see how they develop. Yeah, for me, Carson was – um he played every minute at 100%. He was just he, – he didn't know when to slow the game down. Everything was catch and release, catch and release, dribble drive penetration, go full whack. And you can't – Settle into a rhythm when you're playing at that sort of speed. You need to let the game come to you a little bit more. Find your shot. Find your spots, most importantly. The only time he seemed to play well is against Cleveland, and that's not too tough, you know? Like, Tremont, though, Tremont's a baller. Tremont, and John Corrales said this probably two weeks into Summer League, I think it was. If Tremont was 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he would have been a lottery pick. He's wow. got this... Oh. He's got the skill level to be like a top 10 draft pick player. He, it's just his height saw him slide down the draft boards. And, we, and you know, the Celtics have a history of doing something magical with his undersized guards, Isaiah Thomas. It's not like Kemba's a big guard, yet they're fine, and Kemba's had a successful career. Traymond, and I spoke to Darren Ehrman, the head coach of the Red Claws a few weeks ago, and he was saying that Tremont's been like a breath of fresh air. He's super coachable, super like dedicated to, to his craft and to improving. And he held it down in the G League. And when he has been given minutes in the NBA, 
He's balled out. He's shown that he belongs. He's shown that he can carve out a role on a roster. I'm not saying he can carve out a starting role. He can definitely be seventh or eighth man off the bench. In my personal belief, he's ready for that from next season. I want to see some more of him, especially if it's possible during the playoffs. Please don't tell me you want to see Tucker. Please, please, please don't tell me you want to see Tucker because I don't want to see Tucker. I feel like he's not ready for playoff basketball. He's not ready for NBA basketball, so he's definitely not ready for playoff basketball. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from with that, Adam. I definitely do. Taco brings this this type of energy to a team. It's it's a weird energy because he's very tall. Um, he makes it hard for those guards to get up and over him. Like right, like you got to have super giant Slayer to finish on him. Um, and even then, it's still difficult. Um, yes, everything we t- I talk about is going to be into a 2K reference, so don't mind me. Um, <laughs> so he's going to – you need that. Um, but we've watched him make those point guards, those guys, those, those those shooting guards, change their trajectory and affect their shots. I agree with you. He's not ready. But if you needed something to change – if you just couldn't figure it out, like and you needed a, a, a breath – of, of uh, or a change of, of change or something and he's there and he's he's dressed and he can play you stick him in the crowd will go sick and berserk and the energy will be set back into the Celtics and it may spark a run to where you guys can get back into the swing of things again I agree with you 100% <laughs> he's not ready but he just brings this 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 crazy, you know, like how I bring energy. He just brings this weird energy because he's a real quiet guy. It's just his play. It's like, oh my gosh, he's so huge and tall. How am I going to... He's intimidation. That's what he is at this point. I can't wait till he gets his man bones and gets his footwork right because godly, he's going to be a problem. I, I mean, I can see where people are obsessed with him and like they're really excited about what he can develop into. There's no saying that's going to be on the Celtics, though. He's on a two-way. His two-way contract expires at the end of the season. There could be another team that can come in and offer him minutes from the get-go, a non-playoff team, a team that's on the rebuild, that are like, hey, you've done your development in the G League. Come and play for us, and we'll give you a rotational spot in the NBA. You're right. And that's better for Tucker. He might be... For me, his ceiling is like a Boban, like a, a... eight to 12 minute a night guy that comes in to protect the paint and get a few easy putbacks on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing that your ceiling is what your ceiling is, right? You're still in the NBA, which means you're still one of the best 450 players in the world. So I'm not taking anything away from what you can do. My biggest question is if you wasn't seven foot five, would your skill set still translate? And the answer is unequivocally. No, you wouldn't. If you were six ten, six eleven. Would you still be in the NBA at that point with the skill set you currently have? And I just don't see it. And that means then you're in the NBA because you're seven foot five, just like Boban's in the NBA because he's a man giant. I said Boban's probably a bit more skilled. And I'm not, I don't want to come across like I hate Taco because by all accounts, he's one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. I'm just speaking real. I don't feel like you put him on Embiid, he's going to get folded. And Bead will literally body slam the guy out of the way. He would, he will find a way to go Super Saiyan and dunk over Tucker. And that's my biggest worry about placing him into the playoffs when the game slows down, everything's in the half court, everything's running off pick and roll offense, there's pin downs coming left and right. You're getting sealed down on the low block. 
how can he cope when he hasn't played at NBA level yet? How can you go from G League to playoffs and expect success? Yeah, it, it almost never happens. And uh, that's why I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel about it, Tim, but I I, I get it. Um, I just he's just a fan favorite. Hey man, he has a fan favorite card in my team. <laughs> Go get that card, yo. What are the badges? What badges has he got? I I I don't know. I I don't have it. But I, I don't have it either. It's a lot though. Getting any of those like fan favorites on the market is just so expensive because it's a Galaxy Opal. Right, and he's got like forty something badges, like purple badges, bro. Like Hall of Fame. <laughs> so just putting that out there <laughs> I think what I, I, I agree with Adam in a little bit when it comes down to Taka you know he's a fun project player and I still don't know what exactly he's going to project to down the line I tend to agree I think his biggest thing right now is just probably adding muscle to his frame because he is very wiry because he is so tall I don't know how much weight he can pack onto his frame and still be able to move so I guess it really comes down to how much weight he can put on his body and still manage to move. And I think getting used to that NBA speed will be one thing. If he could put on like 20 pounds of muscle, because I imagine he's still a pretty heavy dude. I don't know his exact physical weight, but if he can manage to put on a little bit of weight before he ends up getting into, you know, NBA basketball, I think that'll make a difference. I think he, he could earn a rotational spot. Definitely. Um, so I think, at the end of the day, I think the Celtics should try and keep him around if you think that he could potentially be a bench big. At, at the very least, if he's a bench big, that's good. But in order to do that, he needs to take those steps, and who knows? You know, I don't think we're going to see him in the playoffs right now. I really don't think they'll take him along. Maybe they will if they need the extra body. But, you know, it's, it's worth exploring. Just see what's going to happen. He might not be, you know, anything more than just a, a fan favorite, but, hey, you know what? I'm okay with that as long as he's not taking it away from someone who really deserves that spot. The thing is, Taco's so tall, should he take up two roster spots? <laughs> I don't think legally that's allowed. <laughs> I'm just joking. He, that, you said he's in the NBA for his height, so it, 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 it happens. It, it, you, that's a gift. To be Can't seven, teach height. Can't teach height. <laughs> to be 7'6", to, yeah, to uh, uh, that's a gift. So... You know, he just has to learn. And when I was watching him in college, you know, when they almost beat Zion's team, and I was so mad when they lost because they had him and they lost in overtime. I was like, yes, they're going to beat him. You know, I was just like, yo, and he blocked, you know, Zion's shot at least two or three times. And we talking about big old Zion Williamson, who's big, girthy, big inside. Now, I know that's college. But he ain't nobody talk about him and his friend. Well, he talk about him losing weight, but nobody talk about him and his NBA frame or whatnot. So I, you know, I know it's different with with our guy. I just think that um, I don't know. I I would love to keep him around, like you said, Tim. If we could keep him around on the low, but like Adam said, a team might offer him more minutes and more money, and I can't knock him for going, man, because um, his role is limited here in Boston. I want to know um, before I go on and get up out of here, right? Because our rotations are going to be shorter. I hope. Like, I hope Brad not. I hope Brad cut the experiment stuff out, like all the way out. I don't want to see one experiment and one chemistry project in this in this tournament. What I'm asking you guys, though, 
How's this rotation looking in the playoffs? I'm seeing it shortened to probably eight man. I'm probably going to go the four horsemen. So Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. You're going to have Marcus Smart in there too. Daniel Tice, then probably Robert Williams and Grant Williams. And maybe, maybe he stretches it to find time for Romeo when the matchup suits. But I don't see it going much bigger than that. I'd expect him to experiment a little bit in the eight games leading up. Playoff seedings already. We're just, they're jostling for second seed, but the playoffs is, is locked in. They're not going to not go to the playoffs. So right, right now is where Brad can start being like, right, for the first time in probably two-thirds of the season, which is like the entirety of the season, I've got a full health, full strength roster. I want to see what bigs fit where. I want to see how Robert Williams plays with the passing game once we've got guys cutting off ball. We've got Hayward doing his thing. Once he's experimented probably for six games, I'd expect to see that rotation shorten quite considerably for the last two games before we enter the playoffs. Right. The only way I see them throwing more bodies in there is in case, like, to try and make sure you're keeping, like, an eye on people's fitness and stuff. That's the only reason I see it getting a little bit extended. But I tend to agree with Adam. I think it generally, as he gets to the playoffs, you see a shortened rotation because there are those guys that, to put it quite bluntly, Brad Stevens trusts. Brad Stevens trusts in the system. He sees their fit together and to see how they work together to make the best of the system. So, that being said, you know, if you see them maybe add a guy, if that 17 spots gets confirmed, it still has not been yet. And even if they can, given their cap situation, you know, I still don't see anyone coming off the street unless they really need some kind of scoring or if they're trying to stagger people's minutes due to, you know, just getting back into the swing of things in basketball. But I think, yeah, those those eight games are going to be crucial in determining like what kind of rotations are going to work, especially with the roster finally at full strength. And I really want to see what happens with Rob Williams. I like Rob Williams. I do. I love his energy. Um, I, I love his tenacity around that ball. Um, and he blocks shots. Like, like That's one thing he does. You want to talk about taking on Embiid, that's the guy. I know he is not as big, but he but he, he alters Embiid's trajectory when it comes to, you know, doing that little post. I just, I just like the way he plays Embiid. But, guys, none of you guys mentioned my guy. None of you mentioned Ennis Canner. And I know you might not like him. But in the playoffs, he balls the F out. Like, that's – in Portland, he balled out. Like, that's what he did. I know he's not a good defensive big, but on the offensive end, if our guy's shots aren't going in that cylinder, he's a magnet to offensive rebounds. And I know he's not as, as, as he's not big. We just don't have big bigs. But how come you guys didn't mention, mention Ennis Canner's name? Yeah, I like Ennis Cantor. I'm not even going to lie. I put a tweet out earlier today saying I wouldn't be mad if he was on the roster next season. I we, kind of didn't we, drop his name in there because I feel like he's going to be another guy that's placed into the rotation depending on matcher. He, I'd expect to see him get more minutes if they were playing the Sixers because you want to throw a big strong body at Embiid just to kind of wear him out over a few minutes at a time. Where... I don't expect him to play much against... See, I'd expect him to play against the Pacers too. But then you start going a bit deeper like um, Toronto. He's going to get cooked against Toronto. If he's getting pulled out of the paint to guard Marc Gasol, he, he hasn't got the lateral quickness and the foot speed to be able to cover the distance to close out and get back if if the handoff's made or the, the guy gets hit on the cutting move. So for me, it's very much a spot role for cantering the playoffs. 
And you're, you're right, he balled out for Portland last year. The first game of the series against Oklahoma, he was a dominant force. He absolutely destroyed guys. He made Steven Adams like really have to take note and come out in game two and three. So for sure, yeah, he's definitely capable of coming in and making a huge difference. I just don't think he's capable of doing that consistently from the first round through to the finals if the Celtics were to get there. I feel like you have to plug and play him to get the most effectiveness out of him. That's fair. That's super fair. So that pretty much wraps us up for today. Wayne, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been a long time, dude. Always awesome having you on, Wayne, for real, man. Thank you guys for having me. I haven't talked Celtics basketball in, God, since... God, man, it's been a minute, man. It's been all football right now. But uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. I truly appreciate it, man. You know it, man. You're always welcome on here, and we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Go follow Wayne at... Wayne, what's your Twitter handle? 49ers Breezy. B-R-E-E-Z-I-E. 49ers Breezy. With that Jimmy G. Jimmy G is still your point guard. Point guard, quarterback. That's our quarterback, man. Wait <laughs> till the wheels fall off, man. You know, a lot of people talk about Jimmy, man, but you know, it's you, you got a guy that came in and took his team to the Super Bowl. So you can talk as much stuff as you want, but a guy coming off of an ACL injury takes his team to the Super Bowl, he should be talked about in a much more positive light. But he will. He'll he'll earn his stripes. Yeah, and that wraps us up for today. Make sure to check us out again on Friday. 